0: This week, big news out of the Cleveland Clinic as they announce the successful start of a clinical trial on new wireless and potentially much more effective pacemakers and defibrillators for patients with heart problems. We talked to cardiologist Dr. Daniel Cantillon, who is the Associate Section Head for Cardiac Electrophysiology and Pacing at the Cleveland Clinic's Heart and Vascular Institute.
1: Traditional pacemaker defibrillators involve wires that are stretched from the blood vessel in the patient's shoulder down and secured into the muscle with small screws. And this is how patients traditionally have received the type of pacing support that they need and also in instances when they suffer from lethal arrhythmias, a shock therapy from their defibrillator device to convert their heart back to its natural rhythm. In this clinical trial that we are leading, and for which we performed the first two implants globally this week. It involves the use of a defibrillator that is not going through the blood vessels, but is sort of tucked away over the patient's lower left chest wall. And also a miniaturized pacemaker that has no wires, just self-contained and delivered directly into the heart muscle with a catheter that we place temporarily from an IV that we start in their right leg and deliver into the heart. We deliver the pacemaker directly into the pumping chamber and we release it. And then we remove the catheter and the IV from their leg. And they have a pacemaker defibrillator system that has no wires that are stretching through their blood vessels. The reason that this is so important for patients is that we know that one of the limitations of traditional types of pacemaker defibrillators is that up to one in six patients over the long term are going to have problems related to those wires stretching through their blood vessels, including fractures of the wires, including blood clots that develop around the wires, dislodgements of the wires, other types of things that can result in problems that have to be dealt with down the road. So the advantage of this technology is it allows us to deliver the same type of therapy in a more sophisticated way that we hope will obviate many of those complications that are pertaining to the wires being threaded through patients' blood vessels.
0: Okay, two questions. One, how does it work if it doesn't have wires? And two, how does it stay in a static position and not just float around in the heart muscle or wherever
1: if it doesn't have the wires? Great questions. So the answer to your first question is that there is a mechanism which the defibrillator and the leadless pacemaker talk to each other by delivering very small pulsations that are not perceived by the patient. And this was demonstrated in our first cases for the first time ever in the world that had ever been achieved. And it was really a remarkable achievement and, you know, say almost breathtaking for me to see that happen successfully. And in a robust way. So in other words, it's a wireless communication where the signal's being sent through the patient's body, but it's not perceptible, it's not dangerous to the patient in any way, and it's not Bluetooth, it's not Wi-Fi, it's not anything like that. It's, it's actually a form of conducted telemetry where the impulses are being transmitted and received. So that's the answer to your first question. The answer to your second question is that the leadless pacemaker has a novel fixation mechanism, which are are called tines. And what you can think about those is just little anchors that are deployed from the device and just fixate it in a static position inside the pumping chamber of the patient's heart. And one of the things that we do when we implant them is we deliver it into that position and we test it for stability by sort of deflecting the catheter to make sure that it's secure. And we test it electrically to make sure that it's performing within the acceptable ranges. And then once we're satisfied with that, what we actually do is then we release it so that it is actually then just contained and fixated to the heart muscle. And then at that point, we withdraw the catheter from the body and we remove the IV from the patient's leg and they should be good to go.
0: You talked about how the device communicates within the body. And that brought to mind wi-fi repeaters in houses and it's like it uses the house's wiring to amplify the signal right so is that like this device is using your blood
1: vessels like that or no so basically electrical signals can be recorded throughout the human body okay so like when you come in to see a cardiologist like me in the office, we hook up these little electrodes and we do an EKG and we're, we're measuring your heart's electrical activity from the surface of your body. So the signals that are emitted from the defibrillator and the leadless pacemaker can be transmitted and received in the same way, that they can emit small electric pulsations that are not perceived by the patient and they are received in the same way that the signal is received from a surface EKG that's coming out of your heart. You know, your heart has an electrical current, and when we hook you up to an EKG, we're measuring that current, so we're receiving it. So in this instance, what's happening is... The defibrillator is actually emitting an electrical current and the pacemaker is receiving it. And we can confirm because we can, with existing technology, which we've had for quite some time, we can actually communicate with these devices outside the body and we can confirm that those messages are being sent and received appropriately. So there's no air, it's not like a Wi-Fi in your house where it's requiring signal that's radio frequency that's being transmitted through the air to a router that's then being amplified and distributed, in this situation, patient is the conduit between the two devices.
0: That's interesting because there's been like some movies or some sci-fi novels about where, you know, hackers from the outside had disrupted people's pacemakers. Obviously, if this isn't connected to the internet in any way, then I can't imagine that anybody could do anything to it, right?
1: Yeah, we hope not. In order to do any clinical trial, you have to have approval from the FDA just to conduct the trial. And of course, this trial is FDA approved. And you know, one of the things that the FDA was interested in was they were interested in the cybersecurity measures. And they found that the measures, the technical aspects of the system met the standard that they required in terms of cybersecurity.
0: Excellent, okay, that sounds great. So what's your next step then? When does this go from clinical trial to actually being available for people who need it in the real world?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So we're two patients into a 300 patient study that will be among 50 centers globally. United States, Canada, Europe, and parts of Asia. We were the first worldwide, but we're going to be doing more enrollments this month. Those enrollments are going to begin in Europe and all over the world. And when we get to 300 patients, the trial will be completed. we will follow up to make sure that those primary safety and effectiveness endpoints are met. And we anticipate that we will have the results of this trial within 12 to 24 months. From now. Well, doctor,
0: is there anything that I haven't asked that you'd like to add?
1: Just one thing. It's maybe another point of the advantage of this system in comparison with traditional systems. So one of the limitations of having defibrillators that don't go through the blood vessels is that if a patient goes into a cardiac arrest, the only thing that the defibrillator can do is shock the patient, which while it saves their life, is painful. Uh, shocks, you know, can be traumatizing to patients and can affect them psychologically. By having this miniaturized pacemaker inside the heart in communication with the defibrillator outside the heart, it allows us to, in the event of a lethal arrhythmia, you know, a sudden cardiac arrest, like what you see on medical dramas on the TV, you know, code blue, squiggly lines on the monitor, the leadless pacemaker can actually deliver pulsations to disrupt that lethal arrhythmia without needing to give the patient a shock. We think in up to three quarters of those cases. In that instance, you know, if the pacemaker is unsuccessful in disrupting the lethal arrhythmia, the defibrillator will be charged and ready to go and can serve as a backup, a shock therapy to save the patient's life. So instead of the shock being the first line of defense, the shock becomes the last line of defense. And we believe that we can painlessly terminate many of these lethal arrhythmias or most of these lethal arrhythmias, which of course is a win for the patient because the patient gets to live to fight another day and does not require the pain or the psychological trauma of having to experience a shock in order to achieve that.
0: That was cardiologist Dr. Daniel Cantillon, who's the associate section head for cardiac electrophysiology and pacing at the Cleveland Clinic's Heart and Vascular Institute. And that's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Jean Destro, Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5 1590 WAKR and WAKR.net.